0: Let's get into the word of God today. So as I said earlier, today is kind of like our vision Sunday. Um, I take time as we draw closer to the new year and just ask the Lord, what, um, what's your vision? What's your word, so to say? For the year, and for those of you who may or may not remember, last year it was about growing, and I believe that we not only grew in numbers, but we also grew in our faith and in our understanding of the Word of God. And and this this time for 2023, as I said last week, if you if you didn't see my my verbal uh, diarrhea last week. week. Um, that I just like literally I said to Pastor Vanessa I was tempted to just not preach because time was getting late but I knew if I didn't just do that little whatever I did um, it was going to come out my nose like it was it was just birthed in me so so heavily and so want to kind of do continuing of that and kind of just expand a little bit Um, I believe what God is saying to us for 2023 is to advance to advance can you guys say that with me advance can we say it louder advance and there's there's a lot of me in that word advance. It means means to move forward. But I also remember when I was going to school and we would get our report cards that would tell us whether we passed or not. And it would say on the bottom, Wendy Benoit at the time. uh, Wendy Benoit has advanced into grade whatever. So it's a going forward and it's a not looking back. Okay? It's not looking back. And for the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about moving forward and advancing in the kingdom. And I really, truly believe that God wants us to advance, not only um, just as a congregation, but in our own personal lives, to really take ownership of our spiritual lives, of our faith in Jesus Christ, and advance forward full throttle, okay? Full throttle we want to go like there's no like just pedal to the metal as 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 what would be maybe an old person's term um I'm not really sure if that's an old fashioned term, but but like full throttle, full steam ahead, we want to advance to the kingdom, and I feel very like i i can't even really articulate the words to say
1: that I really, really
0: feel an urgency in, in this space right now. When I look at our world around us and what is, what is happening around us and how we are becoming so accustomed and so used to as the enemy is creeping in and it's so slow and it's so sly and it's so sneaky that we kind of like, we don't really see it. And and all of a sudden we go, hmm, how did we get here? And, And I really feel that God wants us to advance forward in such a capacity that we are strong pillars built strong foundation in our faith because the enemy is prowling so sneakily that we really don't even get it and it almost brings us to a place of complacency because we're so comfortable and I believe God wants to rip us out of that and he wants us to get our armor on and get ready to go which by the way the feast, Tara uh, sorry, Tara reminded me I apologize Sue Ketty is doing a a, 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 um ministry called the feast in london and also online there's a poster at the back bulletin board if you want some information about it she's doing the armor of god and from what i hear it's powerful and worth the drive so if you want more information about that you can actually talk to marie teske probably or the um the the back bulletin there but i believe god wants us to get our armor on and get ready get ready and I know I, I'm, I'm getting ahead of myself, so let me just stop. I'll get into the Word. Today we're going to look at Matthew 25, verse 1 to 13. And this is, this is a parable, and, and bear with me, I want to just... Explain to you what a parable is, because because we have new believers here, and I want to be respectful and make sure that they are progressing and understanding um, what what all of that means. so a parable is is what Jesus would use stories he would like I use illustrations, um, Jesus would use stories that would make sense to the people he was speaking to. And and he would do it to try to get his point across, to get his his gospel message across in a manner that they would have light bulb moments where they would understand. So a parable is not necessarily something that's actually true, that actually happened, but a parable is just like a story that has a message inside of it for us to understand uh, the meaning that Christ is trying to get across. So today, we are going to talk about the parable that is called the parable of the ten virgins. So again, this is not an actual, this this didn't account for anything, but everything in it has meaning, okay? So I'm going to read through verses 1 to 13, and then we're just going to go back and kind of like dissect it a little bit and explain exactly uh, what it is talking about. So Matthew 25, 1 to 13. And I'm reading from the NIV, you read from wherever you want. At the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish, and five were wise. The foolish ones took their lamps, but did not take any oil with them. The wise ones, however, took oil in jars along with their lamps. The bridegroom was a long time in coming, and they all became drowsy and fell asleep. At midnight, the cry rang out, "'Here's the bridegroom! Come out and meet him!' Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, "'Give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out.' "'No,' they replied, "'they may not be enough for both of us and you.' Instead, go to those who sell oil and buy some for yourselves. But while they were on their way to buy their oil, the bridegroom arrived. The virgins who were ready went in with him to the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Later the others also came. Lord, Lord, they said, open the doors for us. But he replied, truly I tell you, I don't know you. Now, this story is talking about the coming, the returning of Christ Jesus. Jesus is coming again, and we refer to him as our bridegroom. I'm going to bring you back a couple of weeks. We talked about Mary and wedding feasts and, and what that all looked like for a bride in the day. And the bride would be betrothed to somebody, and then the husband or the fiance was considered her husband already, would go then to prepare a home, a place for the bride, and then he would come back, and she didn't necessarily know when he was coming back, but she needed to be ready so that when he came back and was ready to take her into her home, into the home now and become his his now wife, she would be ready to go. And it's, it's very similar to what well, we are as Christians, uh, Jesus is our bridegroom, and it is expected of us that we are ready for when Christ returns again. So the premise of this is is looking forward to the return of Jesus Christ so let 's talk about these ten Virgins. It says, at the time, the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lambs and went out to meet the bridegroom. Ten. Why ten? Why not three? Why not four? Why not twenty-five? Why ten? And again, remember, Jesus is talking in parables. He's talking in stories. In something that would make sense to his audience. And so again, I encourage everyone, as you read the word of God, you cannot always just take it for face value. You need to look into and find out why things were said this way, why culturally it was said this way. That's why you never, like you can't get bored with the Bible because you could always be learning something. (laughs) Ten virgins, what does that represent? In Judaism... You must have 10 people before you can have an out loud loud prayer service or synagogue. You have to have 10 people. And they would call it a minion, which kind of made me laugh. Because you think about the movie, The Minions, it's like a whole lot of little minions, right? There's nothing spiritual about that. I just thought it was interesting. (laughs) So the 10, to have a congregation, to have a meeting with people in Judaism, to have what would be considered a congregation, you have to have a minimum of 10. So Jesus is using the number 10, 10 virgins, as a representative of a congregation, as we are today, we're more than 10, but he's talking about church. So when you read this, he's saying, hey, church, there was this church of people, and they were 10 virgins. What does virgin represent? We're in a church setting, and the virgins are representing purity. The virgins are representing cleanliness, purity. Verse 2 tells us five of them were foolish and five of them were wise. There's nothing in between. There's no gray area. There's no like eh I kinda, you know, go to church. Sort of. I kinda want to surrender to Jesus when it fits into my schedule. I kind of want to read my Bible when I have time. I kind of want to pray when I can put it into my life. I kind of want to help out in church if it works into my, you know, it kind of takes my time. There's no in-between. There's no gray. There's five wise and five foolish. Nothing in between. Revelation three sixteen tells us, So because you are lukewarm, neither hot nor cold, I am about to spit you out of my mouth. That's Jesus talking. I am about to spit you out of my mouth. I, I will not have anything to do with you if you are lukewarm. <coughs> if you are on the fence. If you're like me, today I'm going to be a Christian, tomorrow maybe not. Monday I'm going to try to do better. Sunday morning comes, and I don't really feel like it. We talked about this last week. And I don't really feel like going to church. Getting dressed, doing my hair, showering, blah, blah. I'm just going to sit at home and watch it online. Or maybe I'll watch it tonight sometime when it fits into my schedule. Or maybe I'll try to, but then it doesn't happen. Hot or cold? Wise or foolish? There's nothing in between. Five wise, five foolish. In a congregation, Jesus is saying, That in a congregation of people, of people who are pure and, and come to church looking like Christians, in the congregation, and I'm not saying it's here at CW Church, I'm saying what the Word of God is saying, here in this particular congregation, half were on fire for Jesus. Half was not. Half were foolish. In a congregation, half were going to be with the bridegroom, and half were not. Let that sink in your mind for a second. They all came to the same location on a Sunday morning. They all came to the same church. They're all in the same congregation. They all looked on the surface the same. We all come to church and we all have the face and we have the words and the Christianity lingo that I've actually had to explain to some of our newcomers who are like, what does that mean? All present and accounted for. All the virgins were in one place. They were all present and accounted for. All were believers. All came and believed that the bridegroom was coming. They all believed. Every single one of them believed that the bridegroom is coming. They all had my mom told me to be very careful. This is my mom's. I'm holding it like the Holy Grail. <laughs> they all had their lamps because they all believed the bridegroom's coming. I have to have my lamp. And they all had oil. The oil represents the Holy Spirit. The oil in this scripture represents the Holy Spirit in our lives. They all had the lamp. They all had the oil. They all had the belief that Christ was coming. They all had the Holy Spirit in them. What's the difference? The wise had enough oil to refill their lamps. The wise had enough oil that when they lit this, and I meant to bring a flicker and I forgot, when they lit this and the oil burned down, they had enough to pour back in so they could keep their light lit. The foolish did not bring reserves, did not bring extra, did not bring enough to refill their lamp. They only had what they first got initially. The wise were prepared. They were ready. They were standing ready for their bridegroom to return. But the foolish weren't. It says the foolish had to go out and buy oil because they left it too late. It was the last moment, and they were like, oh my goodness, I don't have enough. Shoot, I got to run to Walmart and go grab some. They tried to get some from the wise, and the wise said, but this is my reserves. This is what I have put into. This is what I have uh, uh, stored up. It's it's only enough for me. You have to go and you have to go get your own. I'm just going to park there for a second. If we are the virgins, if we are the congregation and we have the beliefs and we have the oil and we're unwise and we don't have enough oil and we're coming to somebody else to, to fill our tanks, You are not going to get sustained from somebody else. You need to get your oil from the giver of the oil, and that's the Holy Spirit. You can't rely on somebody else. You also, therefore, cannot stand on Judgment Day when Jesus says, I do not know you. You cannot stand before him and say, but it's their fault. They offended me. They said something that hurt me. That pastor said something I don't like. It is their fault that I'm upset. It's their fault that I'm hurting. How many times do we hear, I, if I had a nickel for every time, I would be a bajillionaire. When I hear the people say to me, well, I used to go to church, but somebody hurt me. Somebody offended me. Somebody looked at me the wrong way. Somebody did invite me to their house for lunch. I'm not going there anymore. Nobody talked to me. You cannot stand before God and make excuses and put the blame on somebody else. You are responsible to get your own oil. Amen. The foolish had to go and buy their oil, and they left it too late. We need to refill our oil so that we have enough in the time of waiting, that we have enough oil to sustain us. We are responsible for our own, this is not being selfish, but this is taking ownership for our own relationship in the Lord. We cannot put that responsibility on anyone else. Parents, we cannot be responsible to build a solid foundation in your children once a week. I'm sorry, it's not enough. If the only time your children are hearing biblical stories is on a Sunday morning, they are dying spiritually. You need to feed your children spiritually every single day. Adults, if you are not feeding yourself spiritually every single day, you are dying. If you only come to church, and this is the only time your Bible gets cracked open, you are spiritually dying. Ephesians five eighteen. I'm not sure if I went past eighteen, so bear with me. Do not get drunk on wine which leads to debauchery instead be filled with the holy spirit i'm going to read a little bit further down speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the spirit sing and make music from your heart to the lord Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. This scripture verse is not just about alcohol. People pull this out and be like, okay, I'm not, I'm not going there today, but I don't want you just to get stuck on don't get drunk, everybody. Did you hear the pastor? Don't go getting drunk now. That's not my point. <laughs> My point in this scripture verse is not just alcohol, not just wine. They just got wine in here. I mean, you could pull it all out. It's not just alcohol, it's anything that leads to ungodliness. Anything. Anything that will separate you from God. Don't do it. Just don't do it. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, but not just one time. Not just come, give your heart over to Jesus and be like, "I'm good I'm just going to sit in this nice, comfy chair and ride the wave. Someday Jesus will come for me, and I'm just going to be all comfy here, and I'm good." No. It says, it's a progression. It's a progression. Speaking to one another with psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We need to be continually filling our tanks with the Holy Spirit. We need to make sure we have reserves to keep pouring in to there. We need to keep making sure that we daily sacrifice our will and our desire to Jesus Christ be continually filled. It's a, not a one time, one shot deal. It's not one stop shopping. We need to get filled. Well, I read my Bible 12 years ago. Shouldn't that be good enough? No. Funny story I, I, I was talking to a pastor and they were talking about hiring pastors. <laughs> And they said, if you want to know if a person is in the Word of God, ask them the question, so what has God been saying to you lately in in the Word, in your your reading? And he said, interestingly enough, even with pastors, you can tell if they haven't been reading in the Word because all of a sudden they'll pull out John 3.16. Well, you know, God so loved the world and that that really speaks to me and... Because that's, like, I mean, I could go post somebody off the street and they'd know oh, John 3.16. But if you're in the Word and somebody came up to you and said, what is God speaking to you right now? What are you reading in the Word? It's going to come out of you just like that. Like, I'm in Isaiah right now. Like, I can tell you exactly what I'm reading. Like, it's a continual filling. Ten virgins had some oil because when we give our hearts to the Lord, the Holy Spirit comes in us. And ten virgins had the oil, but only five kept refilling, kept refilling, kept advancing in the kingdom. Verse 6 to 9. At midnight, the cry rang out, here's the bridegroom, come out to meet him. Then all the virgins woke up and trimmed their lamps. The foolish one said to the wise, give us some of your oil, our lamps are going out. No, they replied, they may not be enough for both of us and you. Instead, go, those, go to those who sell and buy some for yourselves. So the five who were wise, told the unwise, the foolish, to go and buy some oil. How do we buy Holy Spirit oil? We, we know that Christ paid the price for our salvation. We don't have to pay anything. There's nothing that we can do for our salvation. But there's definitely something we can do for the refilling and advancing. How do we buy oil? Revelation 17, uh, sorry, 3. We're going to read 17 to 18. You say, I am rich, I have acquired wealth, and do not need a thing. But you do not realize that you are wretched, pitiful, poor, blind, and naked. I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in the fire. We sang this morning, refiner's fire. gold That's how they would test to see if gold was real, is by, by putting it into fire. Refiner's fire, it would cleanse it. You can become rich and white clothes to, uh, to wear so you can cover your shameful nakedness and the salve to put on your eyes so you can see. When we are refined, when we are allowing ourselves to go through trials, to go through tribulations, when we endure, when we advance. We have the initial forgiveness of sin, but we must pay to refill our tanks. We can't just ride the wave and just let the world kind of take us to and fro and just, eh, just go on with the wave, whatever. But we need to be advancing for the kingdom. We need to pay or refill our tanks with the Holy Spirit with endurance. We need to be praying we need to be reading our bibles this is how we pay this is how we refill this is how we we fill those tanks back up by reading the word of god by waiting on the lord by sitting at his feet and listening to him by allowing him to be the louder voice in our heads you see the problem when we don't fill our tanks is we are bombarded with so much information and so many thoughts and everybody's opinions and everything that's going around and we start to kind of like become a sponge and soak it all in and all the things that are going on in the world that are so ungodly we become oblivious and mean? Well, whatever it's the world but when we refill and refill and refill, God will show us. When we don't, in verse 10, it says, "The door was shut. The door was shut. The foolish missed out on the wedding feast with Christ, because they became complacent and laxadaisy in their faith. Now let's go back to verse 5, just for a second. Matthew 25, verse 5.
1: The bridegroom
0: was a long time in coming, and they all, all ten, all congregation, all Christians everywhere, became drowsy and fell asleep. Every single one of them fell asleep in waiting for the bridegroom, every single one of them became a little... (sighs) relaxed. And I believe that's where the church has been going without realizing. And and I'm not speaking for everyone. I I know there are some on-fire crazy, radical, holy spirit filled. So I'm not speaking for everyone. This is this is you to take in and check in your own spirit. They all fell asleep. Why? Because the bridegroom was a long time coming. How many of us who have been in church for more than you know, whatever, a couple months?
1: has been hearing for your lifetime,
0: Jesus is coming, Jesus is coming. Well, we'll meet again, should Jesus tarry? How many of us have heard that? I can remember as a kid, racing home, you know, like, did I miss the rapture? Is anybody (laughs) here? Anybody home? Oh, good. We we would have a joke in our family, our youngest, Tamara, was like, she just was an anomaly. Of children and love Jesus, and just she just and we would all be like, Oh, Tamara's here, we're good, you know, like (laughs) we're good. But we can hear that message, and we've heard it, you know, and back in the gospel, they're already talking, Jesus is coming again, and we can hear it, and we can hear it, and we can hear it, and then after a while, we kind of are like. Really? I know he's coming back, but like, it's probably not going to be for another hundred years or so. Not in my lifetime. And we become complacent. We fall asleep. There's no urgency. If we knew that Christ was coming back today at 3 p.m., where would we would all be at this altar? We would be like, praying our faces off. Oh God, glory be your name, bless be your name. We would be like, on fire for Jesus. It's coming at three, we gotta get ourselves right. But because the bridegroom was a long time coming, they all fell asleep. How many of us are asleep today? How many of us are asleep? How many of us are like, yeah, he's coming, but like...
1: The world's got to get way
0: more worse this before, before Christ comes. Well, what are you? Are you like mid-trib? Are you pre-trib? Where are you? I hate that question. I'm like, oh, I am just, bring me to Jesus. I don't care what trib he comes, I just want him to come. And if it means I have to suffer for him, uh, I pray he gives me what I need. None of us know when he's coming back, but he's coming. He's coming, that we can be assured of. But what is our attitude in that? I got a good six weeks, I can just, you know, just kind of like relax, keep my feet up a little bit, I'm good, I'm good, I'm good. Once I start to see the world get a little worse, then I'll start to crack down a little bit. It's time we looked at our world. It's time we read the back of our books and compared it to what our world is doing. It's time we wake up. It's time we get our oils ready. It's time we get some reserves because I don't know about you, but I cannot live without that oil. I cannot live without that oil. I need it because the world is hard. Yes, there's gonna be moments that are gonna be tough. There's gonna be moments where you're like, I don't even wanna get out of bed. Those are gonna be moments, but it's the oil that is going to give you the strength to get up, get your jammies off, put some clothes on, Wash your face, brush your teeth, and go face the world. It's time to stop making excuses. We don't even see the changes in the world anymore. Or we're not really faced by them anymore. We need oil. We need oil. We can have a Bible and not have God. We can come to church and not have Christ. These virgins were the congregation They're not hypocrites. They all knew the truth. They all knew the truth. But half of them were not 100% for Jesus. Half of them were not surrendered completely to Christ. Half of them were not ready to meet the Lord. Like I said last week, I could stick a fireman's hat on, doesn't make me a fireman. Everyone who looks like a Christian isn't going to heaven. When we get to heaven, we might be a little shocked on who's there and who's not. There might be a worship team member not there, not meaning Cedarview worship team, but maybe from another church. There might be a sound person not from Cedarview church, but from another church. There might be an usher who's not in church. There might be a kids' church teacher. I used to teach Sunday school when I was not married teenager, and all the church were like, oh, look at Wendy. She's just such a beautiful girl. Look at her teaching Sunday school. (laughs) That was Sunday. They didn't know what was going on on Friday. (laughs) Not proud of that. I'm not proud of that. But I know I had to get my stuff in order if I wanted to get to heaven. And living that double life wasn't going to get me there. There's going to be some preachers that aren't in heaven. <laughs> There's going to be some people who profess their faith to other people. But you know what? It's all words. All flat, lifeless words. Words. Because inside, they're not actually surrendered to Christ. I'm going to get the worship team to come up. I'm going to get everybody to stand. We're going to sing uh, the refiner's fire again. Pastor Vanessa I'm going to ask you to close yourself in close your eyes I'm not going to ask you to raise your hands I'm not going to do any of that today I'm just going to ask you to close yourself in with the Lord and I'm going to ask you to be honest with yourself because you can lie to me you can lie to your neighbor you can lie to Pastor Vanessa you can lie to whoever you want to you can lie to each other But God knows exactly what's in your mind and in your heart. God knows. He knows what's priority to you. He knows what's most important to you. He knows everything. So you can lie all you want to, but at the end of the day, he knows. Are you wise or are you foolish? Are you hot or are you cold? There is nothing in between. There is not saying, oh, you know, I'm doing okay. No. You're not. You're either on fire for God or you're not. You're either wise or you're foolish. There is nothing in between. Half, half of the virgins, half of the congregation were foolish. Half. That literally brings pain to my heart. Because I believe God placed me here and my responsibility is to I'm not responsible for your salvation, but I'm responsible to encourage you to the best of my ability to get you to come. It's your choice at the end of the day, but when I read this, it just breaks my heart. I want to see all of you there, and more. I want to see your babies there. I want to see your grandbabies there. I want to see you all there with me. I want to be worshiping Jesus with every single one of you. Are you with me? Are you with me? Yes. Let's go into 2023 with like zero, like zero, holding back, complete abandonment. I I love Cheryl. Wherever you are, my glasses on. You're somewhere over here. I love that she got back up because I know God had a word for her and I believe that both of them had a word and I love that she got up and she said, you know what? I don't care what people say. I have something and I have to share it. I love that. Can we be like that in 2023? I don't care what people say. I seriously don't care. I will be more undignified, as David said. I will be more undignified. Don't worry, I'm not coming up here in my tiny whiteys, but you know, like, let's give it all to Jesus. Let's give it all. Hold nothing back. Let's stop listening to the world, stop listening to others, stop listening to the voices that literally don't count. And stand before Jesus and say, I am here, and I know you know my name, Yes, it was hard. And yes, there was moments I wanted to quit. But I didn't quit, Jesus. I'm here. I'm here. Like I told you last week, go look at how those disciples, how some of them were killed. That was hard. That's beyond hard. How dare we in the light of that, Let's let's give it all. So as we sing this song, whatever you gotta do, whatever you gotta do, you wanna come to the altar and pray. You wanna stay where you are, you wanna whatever you need to do, just do it. Do it. And stop worrying about people around you. Stop worrying about what people will say. And let's just bring the Holy Spirit, let's bring this roof down this morning. Hallelujah. Court it up. Let's sing, hallelujah.